Suicide is one of the leading causes of death. According to the CDC, in 2021, suicide was responsible for over 48,000 deaths, which is about one death every 11 minutes. It is estimated that 12.3 American adults have seriously thought about suicide. 3.5 million have planned to attempt suicide and 1.7 million have attempted. Suicide Prevention Awareness Month was in September. However, this is a topic that should be discussed year round. We are heading into a time where the holidays may activate our heightened stress and loneliness and others may experience seasonal depression. Hi, welcome to Equity, where we spill the tea on equity. Today's topic is suicide prevention awareness. Please introduce yourselves and give us an overview of your programs and the services you guys offer. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Maisha Bobo. I am a staff development officer with RUHS Behavioral Health. I also have the pleasure of serving as our suicide prevention coordinator for the Riverside County Suicide Prevention Coalition. The goal of our coalition is to eliminate suicide deaths in Riverside County. And we have eight different subcommittees that are all focused on carrying out our county strategic plan for suicide prevention. And my role is really to oversee the work of all eight of our subcommittees. And I also am a safe talk trainer and I coordinate all of the safe talk trainings throughout our county. So thanks for having us. My name is Monique Cortez. I am a health education assistant too with public health. Uh, my primary role is working in our teen suicide awareness and prevention program where we focus a lot of our efforts on providing youth with suicide prevention trainings as well as mental health resources and tools to have conversations with their peers about suicide. Um, we also provide these trainings to parents and guardians and all community members. And I'm also youth mental health first aid trained. Well, thank you for having me on as well. My name is Sean Cortez. I am a health education assistant with Riverside University Health Systems Public Health. Uh, I work alongside Monique in our teen suicide awareness and prevention program, uh, helping give out all those trainings to our youth and parents and uh, staff when they need them. What are the key statistics and trends surrounding suicide in Riverside County that we should be aware of? Um, I wanna look back to the last five years. So from 2018 to 2022, um, for our zero to 17 years of age, uh, that's our youth, there had been, uh, per 100,000 people in the county, there have been 1.6 suicides. Uh, for our 18 to 25 year olds, that's our younger adults, uh, there have been 11.4 suicides. And then for our older adults, uh, so this is our, the group that's affected most by suicide in the county. Uh, so 26 years and above, there have been 15.3 suicides. And um, looking just specifically at the year 2022, uh, there have been a decrease in suicide deaths, uh, with some exceptions to the adult uh, age groups, uh, our 19 to 24 year olds and our 65 to 85 years of age. Uh, there have been uh, uh, increases slightly in those, in those groups. For suicide rates for 10 to 18 years of age, uh, they did drop significantly uh, in 2022 compared to 2021. So data is still provisional for the year 2023, uh, but when looking at rates and numbers uh, month to month, uh, there is an obvious trend downward for those uh, suicide deaths. So from your experience with counseling those struggling with depression and thoughts of suicide, what are the risk factors and warning signs that individuals, friends, and families should be aware of? So I wanna start off with um, suicide isn't just caused by one situation or life event that somebody experiences. It's uh, you know dealing with several at one time or just not knowing how to positively cope with those overwhelming feelings and emotions. Um, so lots of risk factors uh, can increase somebody's thoughts of suicides or maybe increase their chance of having a mental health crisis. Um, but some common risk factors that we wanted to highlight today might be 
uh, somebody having a self or family history of uh, mental health illness, maybe uh, just difficulty managing emotions uh, throughout their life, right? Not knowing those positive uh, coping strategies. Um, maybe an individual dealing with recent loss might be a, a risk factor for thoughts of suicide. Uh, definitely conflicts in relationships, friendships, uh, maybe dealing with people at work, um, if that's like that really bad work environment for that person. Uh, and then maybe a history of abuse, whether it be emotional, sexual, physical. Um, and then some common warning signs we wanted to make sure to highlight were maybe an individual uh, withdrawing or self-isolating from uh, activities that they enjoyed, you know, people that they spend a lot of time with or tend to spend a lot of time with. Uh, maybe they are dealing with, uh, you know, uh, reckless behavior, not really caring what their, you know, their actions or who their actions might affect those, those consequences, those negative consequences. Maybe you see this individual um, giving away personal belongings. Maybe they're passing along a, a necklace, a sweater, something that holds value to them. They're sort of passing off to uh, maybe a, a relative, a sibling, a close friend. That's something to keep an eye out for. And then uh, talking about death or maybe joking about death um, or suicide uh, can be a, a definite warning sign. Um, so those are just some common risk factors, common warning signs that can put people at risk for having those thoughts of suicide, those thoughts of ending their life. Uh, and that's just something to keep an eye out for because um, these warning signs are going to be uh, in people that you know fairly well. It's going to be a loved one, a close friend, where, where you'll be able to notice those uh, behavior changes and those patterns. Uh, but if anybody wants uh, more information on, you know, risk factors and warning signs, uh, we did want to highlight the Riverside County Suicide Prevention Coalition's website. Uh, that is www.rivcospc.org. Or for more in-depth, uh, know the signs training material, you can go to www.suicideispreventable.org. Okay, and then one last thing I wanted to add was that uh, it's a good indication that our youth rates of suicide are dropping that's showing that we're reaching them at a young age making them aware of what resources are available to them how to maybe deal with those emotions ask directly that question of suicide uh, to their friends to their loved ones uh, but those rates are showing that we need uh, to spend more time and more resources on getting uh, that information to our older adults if someone who does not have proper training and skill set notices symptoms in a person close to them what advice would you give them for immediate help um, so I, th I think it's really important to acknowledge the fact that having the conversation about suicide isn't like an easy one. Um, it's not something that's very comfortable to many and our anxiety oftentimes plays like a really big role in how comfortable we are with asking the question and having the conversation. So in all reality, you don't have to be a mental health professional in order to assist someone with seeking support or encouraging help-seeking behaviors. So we highly encourage someone being prepared with resources when starting this conversation. Um, after that, you want to start off by mentioning the warning signs and the risk factors that you've either observed or ha they've been expressed to you. So if someone is experiencing something and they've expressed it to you or you're observant over their warning signs. When starting the conversation, we highly encourage people to be prepared with resources. Um, from there, you want to start the conversation by mentioning the warning signs and the risk factors that you've observed. Um, this is really helpful in the conversation because oftentimes 
people feel as though the conversation can come out of the blue, come, come out of like left field. And so we want to prevent that, right? So we want to make someone feel a lot more comfortable in the space, in the setting. And by mentioning what we've observed is really helpful. From there, you ask directly about suicide. When you say the word suicide and you emphasize on the word suicide and you're direct with it, it's going to establish that you and that person are on the same page. It's also going to not allow any type of space for avoiding the question, right? Because, you know, that's what we want to do. We want to ask the direct question and we want to get a direct answer. So that will, you know, that won't allow for someone to avoid the question. Um, it also shows them that you care about them and that you're willing and able to have the conversation with them to begin with because it's a hard one. We, you know, we talk about that. Um, and so an example of what this could look like is again, mentioning those risk factors, mentioning those warning signs and asking directly. So we would say something like, I'm so sorry about your recent loss. Um, I've started to notice that you have been withdrawing from friends and family members. You have been falling asleep at work or at school. And I've also noticed that you haven't been eating when people are experiencing a really challenging time or going through something difficult, they might be having thoughts of suicide. Are you thinking about suicide? So that's a way that we can ask the question in a simple yet easeful way um, of us being able to communicate exactly what we need to communicate. Also, there are <clears throat> many people think that someone has to exhibit a bunch of different risk factors and a bunch of different warning signs. And that's not really the case. If there is one warning sign or one risk factor that you have observed, that's more than enough for you to question and ask directly about suicide and get that conversation going. That way we can assist them to help. We know that having the conversation about suicide can be scary. Um, and like I mentioned at the beginning, it can be really uncomfortable. And so oftentimes, like I mentioned, our anxiety kind of plays this really big role when it comes to it. So there's this big misconception that if we were to ask the direct question of suicide, that we're automatically going to put the idea into their head. And that's not the case. When someone is experiencing a crisis, when they are having thoughts of suicide, they feel more of a relief, this sense of relief that finally, just finally, there's someone out in the world that has been observant of me. They finally care enough for me to have this very difficult conversation. And it allows them to feel safe in that space, to be able to return and, and answer those questions that are needed. And then of course, boosting and encouraging that those help-seeking behaviors. Ultimately, every person in the world plays a, a role in, in suicide prevention. We offer free trainings to those that live, work, and also worship in Riverside County. Um, and this is all great because it can help someone learn what information is out there, what resources are out there, and how we can help someone that we really care about. Um, our trainings range from two hours to two full days. And if you are looking to receive more information about these trainings, then you are more than welcome to visit our uh, Riverside County Suicide Prevention Coalition's website at www.rivcospc.org. So let's jump into teen suicide prevention. 
How critical of a role does technology and social media outlets play a part in today's teenagers' lives? So research shows that the average person spends up to two to six hours a day on social networking sites. And even more so, the younger you go down in age, does the, do those numbers kind of fluctuate a little bit more? And so this obviously shows that social media is a huge part of people's daily lives. If you think about it, you know, it's how we communicate with others. It's how we share updates. It's also a form of entertainment, right? So it's, obviously kind of a part of everyone's routine for the most part, or an, a, the average person's routine. And since we are pretty aware of the pervasive uh, use of social media, especially uh, by the youth, um, it's important for us to really be able to normalize those conversations and really be able to crack down and talk about mental health and suicide prevention, because let's face it, social media isn't going anywhere anytime soon so we kind of have to use it to our advantage and figure out what's going to work for everyone together to for the greater good for the better of all society for the better of all world we do have a guest speaker that's joining us in january for again our amazing suicide prevention coalition here in riverside county um, she has a nonprofit organization that's titled safe social and she really focuses a lot of her efforts on providing individuals with information on not necessarily stop using social media but again use it to our advantage, right? Or use it in a way where it's less risky and it's benefiting our mental health, et cetera. Her name is Bailey Parnell. Um, she has a lot of great information out there. Um, and you can visit her website that is safesocial.co and to get all of those awesome tips on how you can start to practice safe social media use. Are youth suicide rates directly impacted by technological communication such as social media? So this is a really complex question. Um, so here at the, on the local level in Riverside County, we don't have any data that shows a correlation between social media use and suicide rates in our teenagers. However, as Monique said earlier, we know that uh, many of our teenagers are using social media and we know that social media can have an impact on our mental health. And so we wanna focus on both the pros and the cons of social media use. So some of the pros are many of the things that Monique mentioned as far as entertainment, being able to share information, personal branding, feeling that connection and closeness with those who might be further away. But we also have to look at the reverse side of that, the cons, right? And so some of those cons are there could be cyberbullying, there can be harassment online, there can be um, graphic or sensitive material that's posted online that might cause uh, emotional reaction for someone. And so really what we want people to focus on is a harm reduction approach when it comes to social media. And really what that means is putting up some guardrails for ourselves so that way we are getting the most out of the pros and we're reducing the amount of cons or the risk that comes along with social media use. And so some of those guardrails can be limiting the amount of time that we're spending on social media. That could also look like um, maybe screening some of the content that we are watching on social media or those that we might follow or things that we um, share or see on social media. And then we also want to keep in mind safe messaging about mental health and suicide when we are 
posting things on social media. It's very important for us to be mindful of the language that we use when we talk about mental health and the impact that someone else sort of receiving this information might have as a result of things that we've shared, whether that's images, whether that's a caption. Um, lots of folks find it helpful to be able to share those things and receive support on social media. We just wanna make sure that we're using safe messaging around those things. Um, and then we also want to encourage people, as Monique shared earlier, we have someone who is uh, a subject matter expert when it comes to social media and mental health coming to speak uh, at the coalition's quarterly meeting on January 24th, 2024, uh, from 9 a.m. to 11.30. Bailey Parnell is our guest speaker, and she's coming to talk about what are some of the trends that we're seeing for social media use as it pertains to mental health and suicide prevention. She's gonna talk about how do we maximize those pros, right, or the advantageous parts of social media use. And then she's also gonna talk about some strategies and some tips for people of all ages. We know that social media is primarily used by teenagers, our transitional age youth, and maybe our young adults, but the, the reality is that lots of people are using social media, whether that is your LinkedIn, that's your um, you know, Facebook, whatever the case might be. And so she's gonna give strategies for all of the different social media platforms to give us some tips on how we can stay safe. Please inform our listeners where they can find information and assistance for crisis situations, as well as information about the program. Absolutely. So there are various resources here in Riverside County for crisis support. Um, I won't talk about all of them today, but I will highlight a few that I think are very important for us to be aware of. So the first one is our local helpline. So we do have the Inland SoCal United Way Crisis and Suicide Helpline. Their phone number is 951-686-HELP. And so we encourage folks to use our local helpline. It is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they are able to connect people to local resources. They also are able to support folks that might be providing assistance to someone who is in a crisis. So even if you're not the person in crisis, you can still call the helpline and they can guide you through how to support that person. The helpline also is able to call out our mobile crisis response team so if there is a need for someone to come into the home and do a risk assessment, um, then they're able to deploy them out to your home to do that. So that's an important resource there. Um, we also wanna encourage people to look into 988, which is our National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Many people will note that probably about a year and a half ago, that number changed um, to our three-digit 988. Both numbers still work, uh, but we do encourage people uh, to reach out to 988. They have uh, services in uh, Spanish. They also have a specific line for veterans who might be calling and want to talk to someone that is familiar with their specific experiences. They also have chat available if you go to their website. So tons of great resources um, through 988 as well. And then here in Riverside County, we have three mental health urgent cares throughout our entire county. We have one in Riverside uh, that serves people 18 and above. And then we have one in Paris, as well as another one in Palm Springs. Those two, Paris and Palm Springs, serve uh, folks 13 and above. All of the services are completely free. It is not hospitalization, it's completely voluntary. You can stay there, I believe, up to 23 hours. Uh, so you can go there and meet with a psychiatrist, a nurse, uh, a clinician, even a peer support specialist, all kind of focused on diverting 
your entry into the hospitalization and trying to stabilize you there at the mental health urgent care. And then we also uh, encourage people to utilize 211. So 211 is either you can call 211 or you can go on their website and you can find a list of various resources from needing a food bank to needing to connect with a therapist. So it's a really great resource to check out as well. And then uh, just an important note to make whenever we're trying to support someone that might be in crisis, we always wanna consider our personal safety as well. We don't wanna put ourselves in danger while we are trying to support someone. So if someone is in a crisis, we wanna try to stay with them and support them through that until support comes. But if we are in a situation where there's imminent danger and it's not safe for us to stay, then we should call law enforcement to come and to address the situation. We do want to be supportive, but not at the risk of our own safety. So I just wanted to make sure we pointed that out as well when talking about crisis support. Thank you for sharing that information, Maisha. And then can I add to what Maisha was saying? So. As I mentioned at the beginning, when we were first introducing ourselves, we, Sean and I, work in our teen suicide awareness and prevention program. And I briefly mentioned that our primary role is to provide youth with, you know, resources and suicide prevention training. So um, we have a lot of contracts with school districts in all of Riverside County. So from Temecula to Palm Springs and Desert Sands. Um, and we are very fortunate to have these uh, contracts in place and also to be able to have these relationships with um, some of the social workers, counselors, school administration, and also teachers. A really great thing about that is the fact that there's no specific requirement for someone to join or be part of TSAP. Um, and so for the most part, if you are, if you have a youth that is either at a middle school or a high school located here in Riverside County, we most likely partner with that school. And so your uh, youth can always uh, inquire about it. They can get suicide prevention trained and then participate in some of our um, awareness campaigns to see what we can do in order to improve not only how everything is on their campus, but also part of their community. And I think it's a really great opportunity for, for youth to participate in. Um, that way, again, they can have that information and know how to talk to someone, one of their peers that might be in need. If I can add in one more thing, I wanted to reiterate what was shared earlier about the fact that everyone has a role to play in suicide prevention. And our coalition is open to community members. We are actively accepting new subcommittee members. We encourage folks to come out and participate in suicide prevention training so that they can learn the signs as Monique was sharing earlier and really get familiar with the resources and how to have those conversations. And for those who are listening that are passionate about suicide prevention, we invite you to uh, attend our quarterly meetings. These meetings are a great space to learn more from these subject matter experts. Uh, if you aren't able to attend live, you're able to go to our website and we have recordings of all of the meetings that we've held. We also have recordings from our conferences that we've held. So it's a great place to go and get more knowledge. Um, you can get local data, lots of great resources at the website. For those who might be interested in joining our January quarterly meeting, the flyer is on our website as well as the registration link. So once again, in January on the 24th from 9 a.m. to 11.30, we are having guest speaker Bailey Parnell talk about safe social media use and its impact on mental health and suicide prevention. So we hope that you will join us. Thank you all for joining us today. We learned a ton of information that will definitely be valuable to our listeners. 
I will be sure to include them in our show notes. Thank you so much again for your time. My name is Dorothy and this is Equity. Today we learned a lot of proper procedures and techniques on how to engage someone who is struggling with depression and thoughts of suicide. If you or someone you know is struggling or in crisis, help is available. So don't be afraid, reach out and we'll get through this together.